Hello and welcome to a Solving History podcast. I'm Gemma. And I'm Emily. This time we're heading to the infamous Mystery House in San Jose in California. It's an architectural wonder and historic landmark. Once the personal residence of Sarah Winchester, the widow of William Wirt Winchester, an heiress to a large portion of the Winchester repeating arms fortune. Today the house boasts having drawn over 12 million guests to visit since its doors opened in June of 1923. Why? Well, for 38 years, Sarah was said to have had construction going 24 hours a day on her home. And no ordinary construction job. The house is a labyrinth of rooms that at one point reach seven stories and is filled with weird things like stairs and doors that go nowhere. All in order to keep ghosts at bay. Or was it? I mean, that's for you to decide. I feel like uh, I've joined Scooby in the gang. 100%. That's definitely what it feels like, getting the mystery machine. <laughs> well, there are two lesbians in the mystery machine. Anyway, you've spent it already. So who was Sarah Winchester and how did she end up with the house? So Sarah Pardy was born in 1839 to one of the social star families of New Haven, Connecticut. Although she only stood four feet ten inches, she was known for her beauty and her sparkling personality. In the 1850s, her family moved to the same street as the Winchester family, and the two families became close, with Sarah and William seeming to make a good match, and the couple began courting in 1862. She married William Winchester, who was the heir to the Winchester Repeating Arms Company. Now, the Winchester Company had developed the repeating rifle, a gun that was easy to reload and fired rapidly at a rate of one shot every three seconds. The gun was used by northern troops in the Civil War and was also known as the gun that won the West. And this is what is used in the legend of Sarah Winchester, tortured by ghosts and guilt. However, there's a little bit more to the story. What's missing? Well, the Winchester's fortune actually began with shirt making. William's father, Oliver, co-founded the Winchester and Davies Shirt Manufacturing Company, and it was mainly this money that funded the house's construction. So how do they go from shirts to guns? With the family doing well in shirt manufacturing, Oliver decided to branch out a little. In the 1860s, he invested into the Volcanic Repeating Arms Company, which had invented a revolutionary repeating revolver. At the time, having to reload a gun could mean the difference between life and death, and the American Civil War was on the horizon. The Volcanic Repeating Arms Company, however, was badly managed, which led to Oliver Winchester using his investments to take over and rename it the New Haven Arms Company. And then there were some bad decisions and an attempted hostile takeover before it came under the name Winchester. The repeating rifle that the company produced could fire 15 shots in 10 seconds. Oliver Winchester was seeing money signs, and this only got bigger at the end of the war with the opportunities that the Transcontinental Railroad would bring. And like Samuel Colt, another US gunmaker, Oliver Winchester had no issues with selling guns to both sides of the conflict. In this case, both Native Americans and American colonizers. The Winchester's guns were also made famous by Buffalo Bill and his Travelling Western show, which mythologized what the Wild West was really like. And for more information on that, you can read our post on Calamity Jane. I love that post on Calamity Jane. Subtle plug. See, I, for some reason, and admittedly, my knowledge of the Mystery House mainly comes from, like, Supernatural and, you know, the paranormal type shows. Yeah. But 
I thought it was her husband for some reason that designed the gun and that's the only way they made money. Yeah. I didn't know that the money came from other less murderous sources. Yeah, so they were already rich. Mm. They just decided to get richer, basically. As as the rich do. Exactly. I mean, they certainly weren't alone in selling weapons to both sides, and it's certainly not a practice that has stopped. Not at all. So we know now a little bit about the Winchesters. How did Sarah end up with this amazing house? So Sarah and William started a family in 1866, but their daughter Annie died in infancy. A mere five and a half weeks after birth, she died from marasmus, so basically she starved. It was a blow that Sarah was said to never have recovered from. It was potentially even more difficult for the family, as early into the couple's marriage, William's sister, Annie, for whom their child was named, died in the same Winchester home in childbirth, and she was also quickly followed by her son. Then, to add to Sarah's grief, not long after the death of her child, Sarah's father died. That made five family deaths in just a few years. Then, between 1880 and 1881, more tragedy struck Sarah's family in a short time. In May of 1880, Sarah's mother died, and in the December, Oliver Winchester also passed, leaving the succession of the Winchester Repeating Arms Company to his only surviving son, William, who was already seriously ill with the disease that then took his life in March of 1881, aged just 43. On her husband's death, Sarah inherited a reportedly vast fortune, some $20 million plus nearly 50% of the Winchester Repeating Arms stock. She was said to be so distraught over all these losses that she visited a medium for spiritual guidance. The medium told her that the Winchester family had been struck by a terrible curse and was haunted by the ghosts of all those killed by the Winchester rifle, of which the number was very high. Their spirits were seeking vengeance, and the only way to appease them was to build a house for them. The ghosts also had one other request. The house was never to be completed. Quote, never stop building, the medium told Mrs Winchester, or you will die. I think it's important to note here that trying to commune with the dead was normal in this time period. Sarah was not strange in this. In fact, many women of her status did this. It was seen as quite a forward-thinking thing to do, especially in a time after the Civil War when religion wasn't quite cutting it for people that had lost most of their families to the conflict. That said... There is no actual hard evidence that she did visit mediums and psychics. It was all word of mouth. Nevertheless, in 1886, she bought a six-room farmhouse on 162 acres in California, set to work building, a task that would occupy her until her death 38 years later. So we we don't know if she did actually see a medium? No, it was all word of mouth. It wouldn't have been unusual for her to see a medium. No but there's no evidence except hearsay. So is this one of those pieces kind of where rumours become fact, which has become myth, which has become legend? Yes. We love those. We do. So what makes the house so odd? I mean, it sort of sounds like she brought a normal house. I mean, it was when she bought it. But from 1886 to her death in 1922, construction seemingly never ceased as the original eight-room farmhouse grew into the world's most unusual and sprawling mansion, featuring 24,000 square feet, 10,000 windows, 2,000 doors, 160 rooms, 
52 skylights, 47 stairways and fireplaces, 17 chimneys, 13 bathrooms, 6 kitchens, and by 1923, the house came with a price tag of $5 million. So that's about $71 million today. Keep it twice the price. I mean, I know she wasn't hard up for money, but why was she spending all of this? Well, according to legend, Sarah served as her own architect, but each night she would retreat to her seance room and receive instruction from spirits on the progress of her house. The next morning, she would then present her construction workers with the hand-drawn sketches of what was to be done. Sometimes it seemed she didn't care what she built, as long as she could hear the hammers of her crew. The crew might spend a month constructing a room, only to be ordered to destroy it the next month. But because she paid well, no one disputed her instructions. Her inheritance was meant to have left her with a daily income of about $1,000 to spend on her house. Some have explained features such as the use of stairs as potentially being a part of the original house Sarah bought, and when she started adding to the home, she covered up the stairs. But others think that these touches were designed to confuse the evil spirits that were haunting her, believing that ghosts would get lost on stairs that went nowhere or accidentally step out of a door that went outside. Beyond the stairs and windows to nowhere, there were other architectural oddities all over the house, including stair posts that were installed upside down, Chimneys that serve no purpose, which are all over the house. Cabinets that are less than an inch, that's 2.54 centimetres deep. And she ordered beautifully and outlandish expensive Tiffany glass windows. But after she installed it, a wooden wall was built behind it so that sunlight could never shine through the panes. In fact, there's a storeroom of other expensive windows, wallpaper and furnishing that Sarah never got round to using, which was valued at about $25,000 at the time of her death. I mean, that's odd. Mm. Even for a rich person, that's odd. Yeah. But are there any normal explanations for the, for the house? The legend of the mystery house is giant, so it's quite hard to see past the potential haunting of Sarah Winchester, but there are some non-supernatural explanations. So, for instance, the stairs to nowhere that get a lot of attention in the press. All the stairways in the house are unique. So most stairs in the house are only two inches, that's five centimetres tall. And they zigzag back and forth going around in circles. And that potentially to confuse the spirits or another explanation could be that the height of the stairs served a very specific purpose. As Sarah Winchester had very bad arthritis and these small stairs allowed her to get around the giant house easier. The main thing is that Sarah didn't plan her home as a whole, but rather as small bits that she would design as and when a thought struck. She even called it rambling herself. She also had the money to start projects here and there, but she enjoyed the process and she found it in her youth and used it to help with her grief. So her father was a woodworker and it was how her family had amassed their fortune. And she'd been fascinated with architecture since childhood. It was a creative outlet for her. And if nothing else, it was consistently changing as she discovered new things or saw new health and safety issues. Whether it was accidental or on purpose, she usually covered up her mistakes by just continuing to build around them. Because she had no master plan for the house, her architectural ideas didn't always work out. But since she had no deadline for completion, she'd either tear down the mistakes or cover them up with something else. 
By 1906, the house had reached seven stories, but the top three floors collapsed after a great earthquake. With the collapse, Sarah just cleared away the rubble and work stopped. I mean, perhaps she fell out of love with the building process after so much of it was destroyed. But this is likely what led to some of the oddities that you see today. In 1910, Sarah purchased a second home in Ulthreton, where she could be closer to her sister Isabel and her niece Daisy. Now, Daisy had lived with Sarah from 1888 to 1903 when she herself married. And Sarah spent a great deal of time in Alpherton until her death in 1922. So what you're telling me is it, it could actually just be because she could. That's why it's odd. Yeah, and like the staircases that lead to nowhere could have been to those top three floors that collapsed. So she would have just made it safe. I mean, if you've got the money and no pressing time crunch, why not experiment? She wasn't a trained architect. No. But she enjoyed finding out new things and testing yeah. them. So if you've got the unlimited, you know, pretty much unlimited funds mm-hmm. and unlimited yeah. time and nobody to say no, why not? Exactly. If I was in that situation, I'd be building a tower just for books. Exactly. Take that into consideration when I render my decision. <laughs> so how did the house become so notorious? Even at the time that she was building the house, she was regarded with some suspicion. Some thought her an eccentric with too much money on her hands. This view was only added to after she refused not one, but two US presidents the chance to stay at her home. Locals just didn't understand her and the press latched on to her from 1895 for fodder for their press and only got worse after the devastation of the 1906 earthquake when the press turned to calling her crazy and obsessed with the occult, and people used her as an outlet for their guilt related to the bloodshed that was caused by the Winchester rifles and the massacres that they had aided in both Native Americans and white colonisers. After her death, the house was renamed from Lander Villa to the Mystery House, and following Sarah's death, the house was sold, and Daisy Marriott, Sarah's niece, inherited $3,000 from her aunt the contents of personal possessions from both Sarah's homes and an income from a $200,000 trust fund for the remainder of her life. In April 1923, John and Mamie Brown leased the villa and its remaining grounds and moved their family onto the estate. They planned to create a park featuring, quote, backity-back railway, one of the earliest known wooden roller coasters. But due to local restrictions and overwhelming public interest in the house, they shifted their focus to opening the house to the public and the roller coaster was never built. Then in 1924, famed magician Harry Houdini visits the house on Halloween night, seeking to debunk the paranormal stories. And he said that he left with more questions than answers and famously referred to it as the mystery house. And the name stuck. And then the interest in the house never seemed to dwindle. In 1974, the Winchester Mystery House was granted state historic landmark status and is listed on the National Register of Historic Places. And then in 2018, Winchester, the feature film, was released starring Helen Mirren as Sarah Winchester, which only continues the interest in the house. The thing is, a lot of the strangest parts of the house were added by the next owners of the house. And this is when things began to snowball into what we see today. 
For example, it said that Sarah had an obsession with the number 13. Many things installed in the home featured 13 of something, 13 window panes, 13 wall panels, 13 sections of flooring, 13 stairs in each staircase. There are 13 bathrooms. Sinks have 13 drain holes and the seance room has 13 coat hooks. But these were added after Sarah passed away, probably to add to the feel of the house. So this kind of, I'm getting Amityville vibes. Mm. Not in the the murder uh, scenario, but in the people have realised they can make money off the supernatural. Yeah. And they've run with it. Yeah, so because she was always seen as an eccentric and then it kind of became this thing that she was somehow involved with the occult because she was this little old woman that didn't need anyone else and was just continuously adding things to her house, the next owners decided that, oh, actually, we can make some money off that. Mm. And it then have kind of run with it since. I mean, did she ever express any emotion either way about you know inheriting this money or some of this money from the sales of weapons or if people just kind of you know associated that with her I think people have just associated that with her I don't think there's any written evidence that she says anything about it because like how involved would she like she wouldn't have been involved in the day-to-day business no and the guns were going to get given anyway. You know, and if it wasn't guns, it you know, people have been killing each other since, you know, yeah. the creation. Yeah. I mean, when she inherited basically 50% of the stock, she just took a step back and let them do whatever. Yeah. She, she I mean, was done. You know, she didn't want to have anything to do with it because she dealt with so much grief. But also, but she like, lost a lot of people quickly. Yeah, I was going to say, I think that also feeds in. Wait, I don't know. Some people, um, after somebody dies, they don't change a thing. And then you've Mm. got other people who will, you know, rip the room apart and remake it so there's no semblance of memory in there. Do you know what I mean? Well, I mean, she literally moved away from the house where everyone died. Yeah, I mean, you can't blame her. No, so she moved away, found somewhere completely different that had no memories attached to it. Mm. You know, just to try and get away a little bit. So do we think that Sarah herself believed she was cursed by spirits? Or do you think that she was simply spending time and money pursuing a passion? You see, before we started this podcast, I was like 100% she was being chased by ghosts. Mm. But now I kind of feel like Maybe some of it was just her, you know, experimenting and, you know, indulging session. Plus, maybe there was something comforting to her about the house always being busy around her. You know, whatever. She, like, was providing a lot of jobs to a lot of people. Mm, Exactly. And, you know, to us, we couldn't imagine buying an expensive window and then never using it. But our funds are limited. Hers weren't. Yeah thousand dollars a day then right was a lot of money yeah it's funny because like had she been a man we probably wouldn't be having this conversation 100% not no so I have to say uh, my opinion has swayed more towards her indulging in her time and passion and you know houses were not didn't have the disabled access that we have today no 
So when you said about her having arthritis and the steps being quite short, and she was only, what, four foot? Ten. Ten anyway. Like, maybe she was experimenting with ways to make the house more comfortable for her mobility. Yeah. The other thing is that some psychics have said that they've sent spirits wandering the halls of the house, and tour guides and visitors report mysterious footsteps, banging doors, and weird moving lights. But do we believe that it is the spirits of those that were killed by the Winchester rifles. See, now I've never brought this. I've watched a few of these paranormal shows because I quite like them. And I kind of feel like, why would somebody killed haunt there? Firstly, unless it's up close and personal, how are they going to know what gun killed them? Mm. Because there were different brands. Yeah. Secondly, you know, I could understand fallen soldiers or, or, you know, combatants haunting the battlefield or the place, you know, these things were happening. Yeah. But it's, or or even the, like, it would make more sense if it was the factory where the guns were made, but it's none of those things. No, it's very odd, isn't it? Um, You know, it's an old house. There's lots of woods that creaks. Mm hmm people's fear plays into it yeah massive Od- yeah yeah no I, i'm not convinced it's as haunted as people would have us believe. would i want to spend the night there by myself absolutely not not a chance mainly because i would go falling down those stairs oh yeah and all get lost that would be my biggest fear is that i'd get lost in one of the corridors and never found yeah Okay, I would be interested to know what everyone else thinks. Yeah, as always, make sure you let us know. Yeah. What about you? What do you think? I came into it thinking that I was just going to find loads of evidence of her thinking that she was cursed and all, you know, everything like that. Didn't think I was going to come out with finding out that she had this really deep set interest in architecture and actually just had so much money that she could just do what she wanted. And had never actually been to a psychic or never has never said anything about having been to a psychic that told her that she was cursed. So it was definitely interesting. I'm glad that we looked at it. Mm. It's, it's kind of weird to think in some ways that if people hadn't attached this crazy legend to it, mm. we probably wouldn't think much about her or her house. No, it would just be a really strange architect architectural oddity yeah just and people would be like oh just a rich lady with too much money and too much time on her hands yeah who liked ogling young builders yeah but now it has 12 million visitors a year yeah it's odd like sometimes these things work out for the best because i'm sure as well like if it didn't have such a legend it might have even been knocked down by now and built upon that is very true so as always, we're interested to hear what you think. You can add your comments on Spotify. There'll be a poll that goes with the podcast, or you can let us know on social media. We are on we are on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and as of now, TikTok. Although we've not got as far as putting content on there yet because we're both too afraid. Yeah, soon, soon, soon. soon. But until next time, take care of yourselves and each other.